Hello, everyone. Welcome to Art of Products. Derek is gone today, but I am here today with Len Markadin. And Len is the CMO at Podia. We actually had Spencer on a few weeks ago, who was the uh, CEO. And I was like, I need to talk to someone about marketing because I'm doing some marketing hiring at Tuple, I think. And Len seemed like the guy. So welcome, Len. Thanks for being on. Yes, it is my pleasure. Excited to be hanging today. Yes. We were just commiserating before the call. We're both like working on hiring and it's it's shockingly draining. Like I can't believe how tiring. Even, so the, the phase I'm at right now is just like writing job descriptions. And I'm like kind of blown away at like how tiring it is to like write for an hour. It's unbelievable because it's not like writing, that, not like any other writing that you do. It's, 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 it's also the most, you know, as, as, even as a marketer who is just constantly asking people to do things all the time because I'm a marketer and that's kind of my job, <laughs> asking people to come work for me is, is among the more difficult cases. Totally. And I, th- I think in my case, like it's, it's extra hard because I'm kind of designing the position as I go a little bit. Like the, the, the job posting is kind of like me figuring out who is this person and what will they do and why are we hiring them? Yes, yes, yes. And I saw the, jo- I saw the, the, the job description and, and I, think it's, I, th- I think you're off to a great start. It's very well written. Okay, cool. Well, so yeah, let, let's, let's talk about that. So I reached out to you and my sort of like my question was the first question was kind of a high level one, which is like, I'm thinking maybe we want to hire a head of marketing question mark. Does this make sense? What do you think of this strategy? So just like a little bit of background, like I, I've done all the marketing pretty much so far for Tuple. I'm starting to get a little bit of help there, but I've mostly created all of our marketing type assets and done our marketing type activities and, and whatnot. And we now are at a point where we have enough revenue and I have enough things that I want to do that aren't marketing that it's like, okay, this is clearly, it, it feels to me like there's, there's a job here that the company should be doing, but I probably shouldn't be doing it. And so I think I want to hire someone here, but I think I'm kind of hitting that classic like startup thing, which is like, okay, do I hire like a, like, I think we need an indiv- like someone that's going to contribute themselves. Like they actually have to do some work. <laughs> I think like there's not a marketing team to manage, but at the same time, it's like, well, I really want someone that is going to be able to sort of self-direct and execute, execute well on their own. And maybe that means hiring or outsourcing and, and that sort of thing. So like, do I want a head of marketing? Do I want a marketing associate? Like, what is this called? Who do I want? Please help me. <laughs> yes, and I think that that's conflict is a little bit apparent in the, in the job posting. I think it's, it's, it's really interesting because I think you, it's extremely well written and it gets me very excited about Tuple. But I think that one of the things that you need to work through is, are you looking for a head of marketing or are you looking for a body of marketing? And you know, I think one of the things that came through in the job posting was clearly there's a ton of opportunity. I mean, it's a dream product for a marketer, right? It's, it has virality. It has really happy customers. It's already growing very well without a ton of dedicated marketing resources. Uh, but I think one of the things that as a marketer, my first question will be, you know, hey, this job posting, clearly you're looking for somebody who can do it all. How important is it that I'm going to come with ideas? Because the more you know, senior I think marketers tend to be, uh, the more maybe excited they are to bring ideas to the table, the more conviction they have about their ideas, the more wherewithal they have to take ideas in their head and turn that into something that could be successful or could be a learning opportunity. Whereas I think some of the tone of the the job description that I got was, you know, there is this head of marketing position, but Ben's already got a lot of amazing ideas and we already know what's working. So we just need somebody to execute on them. And I think that's totally fine too. I mean, these are, these are, these are totally valid. Both of these are totally valid roles, but I think they're two different roles. And I think getting clear on what 
that role is, I think it's going to be very, very important uh, for, for finding them because that CEO first marketer fit is probably the most important part of, of this, of this hire. Yeah. How do, so that's interesting. So any thoughts on that? Finding that fit then? Yeah. I mean, I guess on a, on a philosophical level, I can talk a little bit about how I think about this and that might help set the tone for, for a conversation about it. There's this marketing intelligence agency called IDC. They did a study that found that uh, more than half of tech companies have replaced their marketing leader within the last two years. And I, I talk about this a lot uh, when, when I talk about hiring because companies can cite many reasons for that, but the fundament, at the fundamental level, it's almost always because of misalignment between the CEO and the marketing leader. And a lot of it comes down to comes down to what you know the the initial intent and the initial foundational beliefs about marketing the CEO has, and I guess I'll, I can give you an example. Can I say something controversial on this podcast? Is Possibly. That, is that allowed? We'll all right, see. all right. We'll see. I'll say this. It might get me canceled. It might get you canceled. I apologize in advance. I know you're a musical guy. So Aerosmith is a solid, solid band. I think they have some some really strong records. But they did a cover of "Come Together" by the Beatles, and it was trash. It was it was awful. It was maybe no. I will go on record as saying it was the worst mainstream cover song of all time. And the reason for that is that the the, the original intent of the song was just totally lost. It felt entirely at, at odds with Aerosmith's delivery of it. Right, that song was written McCartney's bassline. It was written for you know, John Lennon's. You know how I describe his voice. He's like a refined sage when he sings. And and <laughs> so the original intent of that song totally lost. And the reason I bring it up is that if you take a brand that's all about feelings, emotions, and humanness, and you put it in the hands of this brilliant mad scientist marketer, believes with every fiber of their being that the, the correct answer is only what the data shows, and that's, that's not gonna end up. Because the best way to feel something, the best way to make people feel something, is very rarely found in a database. Uh, but you can turn that around too, right? And the Beatles probably would have done a pretty poor job of, of covering Walk This Way, and if the CEO of the business is entirely data-driven iteration and truth in numbers, then that, that heart-centered marketer is probably not going to make you very happy. Now, very few businesses are all on one side or the other. Uh, most are somewhere along this spectrum. But I think it's, it's very important to think about you know, what values you have as a CEO, what your fundamental beliefs about marketing are, and, and, and tying that into you know, who, this, who this ideal person is. And I think you actually do pretty strong job of that. Uh, the job posting that you wrote, I think you talk quite a bit about what you believe about marketing, what you believe the right channels are, what you believe channels, which channels you believe have promise. So then I think, you know, the question becomes what's going to be complementary to Ben as CEO here. And what I got from the job posting is somebody who's going to be complementary to Ben is somebody who you know, takes Ben's ideas and runs with them. One of the challenges with that is you know, I heard you say that you're hired. One of the reasons you're making this hire is because you're looking to free up your time, and it can be very, very time-consuming to manage somebody who's building your vision. Mm. And almost nothing that anybody, any marketer that you hire, almost nothing that they put out into the world that was originally your vision is going to look like you intended it to, and it's going to, none of it's going to look like it did in your head. And so, you know, the the question becomes: Is that important? Is it important that your that your ideas drive marketing? And that's that's fine. There are many CEOs who drive marketing, and, and I think that that's that's absolutely a viable model. But I think it's important to ask: like, is that important, or can you let go of that, and can you let somebody come in with their ideas and and and, and ownership of those ideas and run with them? And I think that'll kind of help you answer which which of those two roles you're you, you're looking to fill. 
right that's that's yeah that's super interesting yes I, th- this there's a parallel that i'm i'm feeling right now which is that i've i have a friend that races sailboats and i joined him for a couple of races and he told he used this phrase to describe what i was going to be doing in these races in the beginning which was he's like for a while you're going to be voice operated <laughs> yeah it's like i don't know what to do he's got to tell me like go over here grab that thing connect it to that thing and then pull that thing but the people that know what they're doing are just trying to make the boat go faster. Yes. Yep. Yes, absolutely. That's a fantastic analog for this. I think that that's like, you know, one of the one of the roles that we're hiring for right now is a marketing coordinator. And that is somebody who is essentially taking ideas that we have and, and running with them and executing them. And that is a marketing body, right? And there are a lot of people who want that role. There are a lot of people who are really, really successful and effective in that role. And, you know, I think that that's, that role will have extremely high value for the organization, but it's a very, very different role than, than head of marketing. Uh, and it's, it, it's not a role where, you know, they're, they're going to be expected or asked to bring lots of ideas to the table, take ownership of those ideas. You know, I think it's, it sounds like, you know, there are, there are certainly different CEO styles, right? There are very, very marketing thinking CEOs. If you think like, if you think of somebody like, I mean, I guess this is a cliche example to, to, to use him as, as, you know, CEO case study. But if you think about somebody like Elon Musk, that CEO has extremely strong conviction about what's going to work and what's not. And Tesla had a PR department. And then very quickly, they no longer had a PR department because nobody's going to tell him how PR is going to run at Tesla. You know, PR is essentially run from his his iPhone. And that's, that's um, you yeah, know, it's, it's a bit of an extreme example, but the voice operated example is a really, really good one. Like, do you want somebody who's kind of voice operated or do you want somebody who's actually picking things up and, and, and owning them? I mean, the latter feels right to me. Like I, I, I do have, like I have some marketing chops. I have some marketing ideas. It's not the thing that gives me the most joy. It's not like my favorite part of the business um, or a thing where I feel like I'm, you know, just, I'm so good. I have to do this or something. It feels like, yeah, just, just purely delegating someone to execute on my things feels short-sighted or kind of limiting where it's like then we will only ever be as good at marketing as i am good at marketing and i'm able to manage someone to like do all the things that are in my head and i'm just sort of using them as a poor interface to slowly bring them into the world versus like wow we hired someone who's just way better at this than i am anyway and and loves it and like now like i'm freed up and they're freed up and we're both working on the thing that we're best at i think hiring people that are better than you is always a smart strategy uh that's that's something that I think has been proven time and time again. Uh, I guess if I were to play devil's advocate and push back on it a bit, you know, you could also say that uh, you know, your, your first marketing hire doesn't by any means mean your last marketing hire or your only marketing hire ever. And you know, there, there could be, it, it sounds like you believe there's a lot of low hanging fruit of things that you know would work because you've done them, but you're bandwidth limited. And so you can no longer do them. And, and another approach could be to tap out that low-hanging fruit with with somebody who is executing on your ideas and um, you know proving whether or not you know ben ben should be running marketing maybe ben should be running marketing if if uh you know his his ideas prove out to be when we start scaling them they prove out to be extremely scalable and, and they work and they drive lots of leads and we're doing way more than ben could do on his own just by virtue of being able to scale ben's ben's ideas uh, so i think i i do think both are viable paths uh, i think that you could you know, I, I just I wouldn't discount the voice the voice controlled route just because it feels like 
something, you know, if you, just because it feels like something that's wrong. I think both, both paths could absolutely work, but I don't, I don't necessarily think there's a wrong decision for the business. There's, there's just a decision that needs to be made and committed to. Because the first question that you'll get if you put head of marketing in a job posting and then talk about how they're going to be executing their ideas is how much room for my own idea in this, in this vacuum. Do you think if I did say like, all right, I'm going to try to find a person who is going to have their own ideas and execute those and I'll provide some input, but not a lot. Is head of marketing the right name for this person? Like, can you be a head of a one person department? Yes, I think so. I think a lot of, um, a lot of the best marketing leaders I personally know probably got their start in, in, in that. I mean, I think the two, the two kind of paths that are traditionally the way that, that marketers grow up through the ranks are they, uh, either start as a team of one in a, in a small company and, and cut their teeth that way. And you know, they've, they've, been on teams before and they want a chance to kind of prove themselves and, and do their own thing and they start as a team of one at a small company and then get better and better and better and kind of trial by fire um, or they come in through a you know as part of a, a very very strong marketing operation and so they have a team uh, you know salesforce or shopify some other some other very very strong marketing operation and they learn from uh mentors uh you know i think one of the challenges and one of the thing one of the things that often creates confusion is that, you know, somebody who came up through Salesforce, which has an unbelievably operationally efficient marketing machine, they really, really know what they're doing. They, they do an incredible job. That person probably won't be a great team of one for bootstrapped software. Uh, it's just, they're fundamentally different skill sets. Uh, and so, you know, I think finding somebody who has experience as a team of one, I think who maybe is a team of one and has the title of marketing manager or marketing associate or marketing coordinator, but is ready for a next step, has proven themselves a bit. Uh, I think that that head of marketing title is, is, is totally fine. It's attractive to the right candidate who is ambitious and to take that next step. And also, I mean, I think you're signaling with that role that it is a team of one, but if you prove yourself, there's room to grow, right? Because there's, there's always as much money for marketing as marketing brings in. <laughs> yes, right. Like if we would be foolish to not add more people to that machine if it's working. Right. Yes. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Right. I mean, if you, if you have a machine that proves that it can, you know, it can go to 11 with acceptable unit economics, I think there are some compelling arguments to be made for why would you ever keep it at five? Yeah, that was one concern I had with the head title was just like, just, is it silly to have a head that's not ahead of anything exactly yet? Or like, there's no other people involved for the moment. That was sort of my intention with that choice was to kind of signal like, what we hope happens here is you come in and are amazing and we're like, we need to give this person more money and resources as soon as possible because we want more of what, what they're doing. Yes. I think an aspirational title is a fantastic way to galvanize uh, a, an ambitious, hungry marketer with it. Mm. That sounds less like a voice-operated person. Yes. Yes, yes, yes. The, the, the voice-operated person, I would say, is not a head of marketing. That is uh, a marketing associate, a marketing coordinator. This data versus emotion thing was an interesting like philosophical distinction that I had not thought about at all. It's something that... Yeah, I just think fundamentals are so fundamental beliefs are so important at this stage because you know knowing the values that you have as the values that you have as a leader, how you believe the company should run. Your first marketing hire needs to be really aligned with that. As as you grow and this head of marketing does an amazing job and and you you put more resources into marketing and you build your team there, there will be a lot more room for different approaches and you can have a data marketing team and you can have you know your, your brand marketing team. But there's so much for a first marketing hire to do because they're operating as a team of one that 
being misaligned on the fundamental truths of your business is going to end up in a level of lost productivity due to constant friction uh, that is almost certainly going to be fatal to their chance of success. Because if you if you just fundamentally don't believe what they believe about marketing, nothing's ever going to get out the door. Yeah. I'm not sure where I come down. Actually, I, I feel like I have revealed preferences here. So like... I think so. <laughs> yeah, what, what is, yeah, what is your perception of that? You, you seem like you have a, a thought on that. Well, I, I think that you are a... From, from what I know about you, and that's from following you on the internet and, and listening to your, your podcast, uh, I believe that you... I, I don't know if you've are, you, you, you've articulated this specifically, but I, I think that you have strong beliefs about how you see the programming world. And I think that you have conviction about the way to push programming forward. I think that you have strong convictions about the, uh, you know, the, the, the path to improvement for many programmers. And that to me is a much more, I mean, I mean the, way I've, the way I've seen you market Tuple is through storytelling and through, uh, you know, through that more kind of story, heart-centered, uh, um, you know, human approach. I don't, you know, I don't know what you're doing behind the scenes, but I don't, you don't seem like the kind of person who is, uh, you know, turning knobs in a marketing lab so much. Uh, you know, I think, I think given some of the marketing projects you've shipped, I think you're very much somebody who, who believes marketing is about aligning the way that you see the world with, you know, or finding other people who see the world that you see the way that you see them. And I think that's, you know, extremely powerful. It's not the only correct way to do marketing, but I think it's extremely powerful. But, and I think that it is an approach where somebody who is fundamentally data obsessed and data driven will have trouble with, like they'll have trouble with a lot of the projects that you've, they'll have trouble with, you know, some, some of the, the, the ways that you've, that you've marketed, uh, marketed the business simply because you see the world in different ways. And I think it's, it's, you know, over time and, and as the company grows larger, I think there's a lot of room and a lot of opportunity in bringing it to the world in a fundamentally different way. Uh, but for, you know, for somebody that is essentially taking the ball and running with it at this very, very you know, nascent stage in, in, in your business's marketing machine, having that, that alignment is, is extremely important. Totally. Yeah. That resonates really strongly. I also have been thinking, I'm <laughs> just like realizing as I, as we talk about this, it's like, Am I a data-driven marketer? And like, I don't even know where the signups are coming from. You know, like, <laughs> we don't have Google. Like, like we use, you know, we have we use Fathom Analytics. I don't really look at it. It's like, uh, yeah, there's some refers in there, and like, you know, we could ask people where they found us, but like, I just, I don't know. It's not a, it's not a thing that fascinates me, and I haven't been tweaking the knobs. And there's probably that's that's not to say that's great, right? Like, there's there's probably some data-driven stuff that in there that would would benefit us. Uh, I don't think that's optimal by any means, but yes, I think I subscribe to the, like the Jonathan Colton school of marketing where he said he's this like independent musician and he says like he thinks of market like he thinks that he said like there's a big cow and the cow eats interesting music and content and things that I do and it poops money. <laughs> and I don't really know how it all connects and what's going on in between, but it keeps working. So I just keep feeding the cow. Right. That's a good cow to have. That is, that is, that is a good cow to have. Yeah. And I think that that's, you know, I think you certainly you don't want to find the marketer who like, you don't want, you don't want your full-time marketer to like not have ever logged into Fathom Analytics, you know, and, and, and you want them to have some semblance of understanding of you know what, what the levers are and what knobs to turn. Um, because, you know, like I said, nobody's, 
very few people are, are on one of the you know, polar sides of the spectrum. It's are on one of the poles. Most people are somewhere in the middle. And I think that in general, you want to find somebody who's not on the opposite end of the spectrum from you. And so finding somebody who, finding a marketer who is driven by telling really amazing, compelling stories, by educating the market, by taking a value first approach to marketing, but then can marry that with all right, here's some of the education that we're doing. Here's some of the here are some of the you know storytelling initiatives that we're doing. And here's what that means on the other side of the business. Here's what putting a dollar into this means on the other end of the cow. Mm-hmm. <laughs> here's what's coming out. And so having a marketer who maybe is not obsessed with that, but who can bring that weight in to the to the equation, I think can be very, very helpful. Yeah. So I, I wrote a bit about this where I said in the job posting that like your first goal is to double the number of trials we're getting without destroying our conversion rate. What do you think about having that in there? I think it is, if you think it's realistic, I think it is a fantastic goal. I think that everything that follows that goal is how you think we should get there. And I think that that goal is for a senior marketer, that goal is only as useful as the freedom they have to execute. And so if you give me that goal, I think I can probably come up with some ideas and some ways that I think, and, and, and more importantly, a framework that we can use to achieve that goal. But then everything that gets kind of spit into the gears from the from the perspective of, I want to hit this goal and I think we have to do content and I think we have to do the, you know, X, Y, and Z, I think is, is, is a distraction from the goal and will probably hurt your chances. Interesting. Just because I'm like kind of over specifying how to do it. Yeah, exactly. So you're in essence asking this person to take ownership of the goal. You're asking them to take ownership of the goal and you're asking them to take ownership of all the ways that you think this goal needs to. And so, you know, in a sense, they're, they're, they're voice controlled in, in, in the way that, you know, these are the channels that we're going to do. These are the, these are the tactics that we're going to do, which is again, fine. But if you're the one with the ideas and that goal doesn't get hit, I would say a lot of that falls on you. Yeah. Yeah, totally true. Okay. You like the idea of the goal. You're less enamored with the idea of the goal. Plus, by the way, I think these things would be great and and more on like, okay, here's the goal and also the freedom and some budget and, you know, support, but not instruction. Right, right. Or doubling trials becomes your goal. Right. And then they become the hands that, that yeah. execute on the ideas that you think you know, will back you into that goal. That's tricky. It is tricky. Damn it. All the, all the good business decisions are tricky. <laughs> I know. I've yet to come across one where I'm like, that was easy. That was simple. <laughs> if, if it's easy, it was usually the wrong decision. <laughs> totally. Okay. So let's say I wanted to hire a head of marketing and I'm going to keep the goal, but I'm going to be less prescriptive and uh, more just sort of generally supportive. What kind of salary would I want to offer for this? Good question. So I think the question is, what are you competing against? And what is it that drives the person that is going to? And so if you are looking for somebody, you know, some, some people, when they when they see startup or they see emerging tech company, uh, I mean, I think you're, you're well past emerging, people who see that, maybe they're motivated by upside. Maybe they're motivated by whether it's equity or whether it's some kind of performance bonus uh, that is higher than what they might earn in base salary. I think they could very well be motivated, motivated by it. However, I think one of the tricky things here again which there's there's nothing easy i think one of the tricky things here is compensating people by upside 
is really only effective to the extent that they can control that upside. And so, you know, if this is truly the head of marketing and, and like you said, that you're going to give them goals but not be prescriptive about how they, how they get there, I think there's a lot more room for performance-based compensation. Whereas if this is something something where you're looking for a set of hands, I think probably most of the compensation will be taken, taken care of in the base compensation. And I think that in general, thinking about who you're competing against. And so, you know, you're hiring remote talent. I think you're not necessarily competing in the San Francisco and and Manhattan markets or the really, really expensive markets. And so one of the ways, I mean, the way I, I can tell you the way that we handle compensation at Podia is we use we use we use benchmarks and so we use a service called Payscale where we essentially benchmark salaries to the 90th percentile of nationwide US salaries we hire all over the world but 90th percentile uh, nationwide uh, salaries in the US for companies of our size uh, so you know having some kind of company-wide philosophy around compensation could influence what the compensation for this role is or if you were taking compensation on just a role by role basis and thinking about what market comp would be. I think for that head position, you're probably looking somewhere in, I would say, 90 to 120 range. And that would be dependent on experience. If you're hiring somebody who has already been that head of marketing at a company and proven themselves, I mean, if somebody has gone in and tripled MRR at a company of your size, I think that compensation is going to go much higher. But if you're finding somebody who has maybe cut their teeth showing glimmers of hope or glimmers of, 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 pr- of promise and, and, and of, uh, of greatness, uh, but maybe has not yet been that sole marketer that has taken something and turned it into something much, much bigger. That's probably the band. That- okay. Just say I put, I said 150 instead. Is that going to get me like crazy good candidates that I maybe couldn't get otherwise? Or am I now like paying so much that people that it's like, I'm, it looks weird or like, what are your thoughts on that? I don't think it looks weird. I, I think that the, the the risk is not so much that you're you're the risk is not so much that it's going to look weird. I think the risk is just comes into the band of are you hiring people who are going to be expecting much from your offering? Uh, because when you when you, you know, post compensation, you're you're signaling something too. And I think somebody at that salary level probably you know I think I think what you signal with that is we have budget for marketing. And maybe you want to signal that. Maybe that's 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 what you want to say. And you want to say, like, look, we're, we're valuing this enough that we really want to invest heavily at top of market rates. And that's totally fine, right? I mean, that's that can be a very, very good and strong and positive and powerful signal if that's what you're trying to say. But if you try to hire somebody for 150 and then they come in and you give them, you know, a $5,000 a month budget for marketing, I think that's going to probably lead to, to, to some disillusionment or some some unmet expectations, unmet implicit expectations. Uh, and I think, you know, salary is certainly one impor- very important part of hiring. And I think that, but I think there, there, there are quite a few other things that, that you need to look for other than just like response to salary. Yeah. Yeah. And so can you talk more about that budget thing? Like that's, that's the thing I hadn't thought too much about. Sure. So I think there are many, many, many different ways to think about marketing budget. Uh, some people do it as a, uh, as a function of revenue. Some people do it as a function of customer acquisition cost. Uh, some people just do it as a function of gut. And here's what here's what feels right to, uh, to us. In general, I think a decent benchmark or a decent rule of thumb for businesses hiring their first marketing, uh, first in-house marketing hire is to take the marketing hire's salary and divide it and take, take essentially 10% of that and budget that for monthly marketing, monthly marketing expenses. There are also different philosophies for how that money should be spent, right? I mean, I think that there are there are schools of thought that say 
spending a dollar now is far more valuable than spending a dollar in six months. And so they front load the annual budget and they say, all right, we're going to take this instead of a monthly budget, we're going to take an annual budget, but we're going to try and spend 40% of it in the first two months to learn and see what kind of signals we get back from the market and see what, you know, and see what, what we should, we should lean into and scale. The challenge with that is there's very, very heavy bandwidth suck from trying to deploy all that budget for one person, for a team of one. And so that generally works better on it. Um, and so I find, you know, for, for a team of one, I think a monthly budget is, is probably a good place. Okay. And then I guess we're adjusting that over time based kind of on a lot of factors, like a little bit of feel, a little bit of data. A little bit of feel, a little bit of data. Yeah. I mean, if you find the pot of gold that's going to drive customers at, you know, a four to one acquisition, you know, a lifetime value to acquisition cost ratio, then that budget should, in theory, become unlimited. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's sounding like we should maybe be able to to answer those, have those numbers. Yes, or or at least have a starting point, right? At least mm-hmm. at least have a starting point. And and you know, I think part of what any savvy marketing person, you know, I think one of the first things they're going to do when they join your company is figure out what those numbers are if you don't have them. And it's totally fine if you don't have them. They'll want to find them and they'll they'll yeah. want to figure them out. We've got lifetime value. I don't know how to calculate an acquisition cost for this podcast kind of thing. Sure. What we've been doing so far. I don't think we spent almost any direct dollars. To, to date. Yeah, I mean I think the 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 imperfect way here would be if you haven't spent any direct dollars, take take the you know, take take um how much time you've personally spent on it, like how much time you personally spent per month on it and whatever time cost you want to assign to that and you know, use that. But obviously as you get into actually spending dollars on marketing, you're going to get a much much more accurate and helpful calculation. Okay. So I have this fear, which is that no one understands software developers well enough to market to them if they're not a software developer themselves. How rational versus irrational is that? Well, it's rational in the sense that most marketers are really bad at this. You know, I think... <laughs> this meaning marketing to developers in particular? To developers, or- yes. Developer marketing is, is very, very difficult. And it's it's a skill set. It's a skill set like any other. Uh, but it's rare and it's not something that's present in the gen... You know, I guess, you, you know, in, in the general marketing population. In the general marketing population, you know, I think as you alluded to in the job posting... Most developers, anybody who spent 47 seconds on Hacker News can tell you that most developers can smell marketing from a mile away, right? And, and, and it, it does not elicit a warm, positive response. Uh, it's, it's not something that, uh, you know, I think, I think the term you used was a hair trigger reaction to marketing and the job posting, which I think is, is, is accurate and it's fair. And I think that a lot of that comes from people who do not understand developers trying to market to developers. Because I think one of the things that, something that's probably controversial and that uh, a lot of people are going to viscerally react to and say, no, I'm not. Everybody, everybody on this planet loves marketing when it's done well. And people might have a reaction to this to say, no, actually, I think marketing is gross. Actually, marketing is terrible. I hate all marketing. No, you don't. You hate marketing that you see and spot as marketing and say, that sucks, right? Love marketing when a product, like if, if there's a product that you use that you love, there's a way that that product got to you. And whatever that way is, it's marketing, right? Whether it was word of mouth marketing, whether it was through an ad, whether it was through you know some community that you joined, whether it was through some sponsorships or for some event that you went to, that product probably did some marketing to get you. And you know, I don't, I don't want to say I don't want to say you fell victim to it because that's not the that's not really it's not it's not adversarial, right? I mean, good really good marketing it means you have a product that you know can improve somebody's life and specifically that person's life. You don't think it can improve everybody's life, but you think it can improve somebody's life. 
And then you have an obligation to get that product in front of them and to get to get them using that product, right? Or to do what you can to educate them enough to, to make an informed decision about using that product. And so everybody here loves marketing when it's done well to them. And the problem is that most marketing done to developers, being done by people who don't know how to market to developers, is bad. They do poor marketing. Uh, and so I think that one of the most important things you can do if you're looking for somebody to market to developers is find somebody who smarts. And there are people that specialize in this. I mean, this is something where one of my very, very good friends here in Baltimore is uh, Greg Kogan, is a very, very talented marketer who is also a developer, I think self-taught developer. And he has made an entire very, very successful marketing career out of only working with companies that market to developers. And I think that is essentially, you know, you're essentially looking for somebody who has, essentially looking for somebody who has marketed to an audience like yours. And I think maybe one of the best places to start with that is to find products that you love and see who does their marketing. Okay. Is poaching a critical part of hiring well? It is a, well, poaching is such a negative term. I yeah, think, let, me, let me think. Let's rephrase this. Is, is yeah. marketing well to people who may be working at other companies uh, a good approach here? <laughs> I think that's a good way to phrase it. And I think that the way I would answer that question is many of the, it's, it's not the only way. Um, certainly we have open job postings and we, we post them. But many of the absolute best marketers in any field, just like many developers in any field, have jobs, right? They have jobs because they are, you know, the, the market demands them and, and they, there's there's demand for them in the market. And so I, I will not say it's the only way, but I will say that it's an extremely powerful way to find people who have a very, very clear proof that they know what they're doing. Of course, there are people who are without jobs for many, many different reasons. And they're, you know, they're very, very, very incredible um, candidates on the market. But I would not solely go with the approach of, you know, putting putting a job out out on ZipRecruiter or remotely. Well, those are all platforms. But I think that there, you'd be well served to, to, to try some some form of marketing to people who have jobs. Yeah. Okay. So I'll admit like this, this sort of task does not appeal that much to me. It's not like the thing that gets me excited to do. Am I pretty much, is that kind of like, yeah, too bad. That's like the phase you're at and like this is the CEO's job, so do it. Is there, is there any outsourcing or hacks around this that is, you know, might fit my disposition more? Well, certainly. I mean, there, there are as many services as you're willing to pay for. It's, you know, does, certainly. Does that, do they work? Have you had good results with recruiters like that? Well, we haven't used recruiters because for us, I do actually really enjoy recruiting and it's, 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 you know, I think a fundamental, I do see it as a fundamental part of my job. I know many CEOs see it as a fundamental part of their job. I know many CEOs do not. Many CEOs loathe recruiting. And I think there are people who say, you know, well, too bad. That's, that's your job. But I think recruiters like marketers are another thing that get a very bad rep with developers, especially because most of the recruiter emails that you get are very bad and are not, um, you know, are not, are not really well personalized or crafted or really aligned with what it is that you want. There are recruiters that have very good reputation. There are recruiters that have very good, you know, very, very strong track records. But I think the other way that I would, that I would push back or maybe rephrase is, you know, when you say that you don't think recruiting uh, fits your disposition. I imagine you're talking about cold one-on-one -on -one outreach to marketers. Yeah, and like sort of like rigorous tracking and following up and, you know, okay, it takes me 18 months to recruit this person and I check in every six months pretty reliably kind of thing. 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that's, I mean, that's something that, that's one way to do recruiting. And certainly I think it's, if you were looking at quote unquote best practices, that would be on there. But I think there are other ways to do recruiting. I think there are you know, many ways to do recruiting that maybe do fit your disposition better. I think you are you know, clearly extremely adept at talking into a microphone and reaching a crowd of people. And so that that's that's another form of recruiting, right? Whether that means going on, uh, you know, I think there are some very, very targeted technical marketing podcast that would be delighted to have you on as a guest to talk about your experience as a developer thinking about how to hire a marketer for the first time and how to how you're navigating these waters because as a, as a marketer who wants to work with developers I mean that's there's gold in those hills right I mean that's something where I, I, I think most most technical marketers would love to hear that kind of perspective that's something that I think would actually fit your disposition very very well I like that a lot because it's not a thing that everyone can do or is doing. It's exactly it's different than the status quo, which I really appreciate. Right. It's your unique strike zone. And that's something that, um, you know, I think could, could, could kind of go very, very well for you and doesn't require nurturing a lead for 18 months. Yeah. Are there any specific podcasts that come to mind as we sit here or do you need time to think about it? That is a, uh, that's a good question. I think, I guess the, uh, the, the Dave Gerhardt has a podcast. I think a lot of, a lot of B2B marketers, uh, especially listen to you could, reach out to Dave. I know he has uh, primarily marketing leaders on his podcast, but I, I think that potentially a non-marketing leader or a you know CEO who's doing marketing uh, to come give the perspective, to come give that perspective could be really, really valuable for an audience like that. There is the, Brendan Hufford has a podcast around, around marketing and SEO that uh, I think could be a really, really good fit here. I'm sure there are some technical marketers in his audience. I can come up with some more ideas and send you over a list, but that's, that's, yeah, that's, that's where I would start. And I would, I mean, I think that one of the best ways to start probably is to ask a bunch of developers, Hey, what, what podcast have you ever learned anything about marketing from? Mm, awesome. Taking so many notes here. This is great. I'm glad. I'm glad. I hope that uh, this turns out to be helpful and fruitful because I, I think there's a lot you can do to not go the traditional way of finding, you know, the, the, the traditional way of finding a marketer. And um, I think that you have, a unique position where you can you can really get interesting. Totally, yeah, I, I agree. I want to keep exploring that idea. Like I, that that to me feels like a really good seed to like nurture and figure out because yeah, it just that just resonates. Like there's just so much strength in not taking the the normal front door that everyone else is taking. A hundred percent. Where I'm completely undifferentiated and even don't like it. It's not even right. like a door I want to walk through. Right. That's exactly problems. right. Yeah. yeah. Like why would you swim in this water? You hate it. Right. Yeah. Okay. Cool. I, I dig that. I've been having that that thought process where like it's like I think about Basecamp, for example. And it's like when Basecamp opens up a developer job, they post it on their blog and they're like, you have two weeks to apply for this and then we're going to shut it down because we know for sure we're going to get at least 500 people applying to this job. And I was like, okay, maybe the blog is not what we have, but I feel like I need a thing kind of like that. It's like when we want to hire somebody, I need to have a channel that works that is not you know the same one that everyone else is using uh, so I can you know have an advantage there. Yeah, I mean the awesome thing is you have a channel, like right. You you you've spent a long time building a channel that literally nobody else on the planet has except for Derek, and <laughs> that's and, and and you know I think this could be a wonderful launchpad for the search because yes, it's a you know product focused podcast, but a marketing episode potentially could yeah. be very very interesting. And you could argue we we almost did just now. We, yeah, 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 there's a case to be made that maybe this is an episode that the marketing community might be interested in, uh, or the technical marketing community. I think there are a lot of uh, different approaches you can take that, like you said. Cool. Nice. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to brainstorm some of those and, and shoot them over to you see what you think. Awesome. All right. I have one, I have one last thing I want to talk about. Sure. Fully off topic. Yes. What is that watch you're wearing right now? 
<laughs> Thank you for asking. I, th- I think this is actually the first time it's been uh, noticed on Zoom. This is an Omega. <laughs> it's a Seamaster Aquaterra. Uh, I can put it up to the camera. This was. Uh, a, I, I a thought gift it might be. Wife. Nice. <laughs> Did you? Are you? Are you a watch guy? I'm a little embarrassed, but I'm getting into watches. <laughs> nice. And like this is like a thing that I mocked, and I'm mocking myself still. And I like sometimes I just get frustrated or like laugh at like the attempt to justify these things in a practical way. That's that's a mistake. That is a complete totally. mistake. Yeah, complete yeah. mistake trying to justify it in any practical way. Yes, I, I've actually come down to a place that, that feels good to me, which is like, this is jewelry. Yes. Like, does it make any sense to pay a ton of money to put a rare rock on your finger and wear it around? No. But if you look at it and you like it and you think it's cool, whatever. And more power to you. That's 100%. totally what these watches are. Yes, absolutely. I mean, it's, and it's no different from people, you know, the, the decisions people make to buy a car that's more than they need or anything that's more than they need. And I think there's a very, very strong case to be made that um, if, if, if it's something that enjoy and makes you happy, you really don't have to make a, you know, you, you don't have to practically justify why you're getting uh, I think these are decisions people make every day. I remember, you know, I, I had a family member who would buy a nicer lawnmower than they needed, and they spent uh, a long time trying to justify why it was practically necessary, and it was totally unnecessary to justify that because it made them happy. So welcome to uh, a, a fun money pit that uh, I think probably find a lot of joy. Yeah, thank you. I, I actually am going to do a little shopping this weekend. Oh, nice. So, Do you have your eye on something? Yeah. Uh, not totally. There, there are some Omegas in there, possibly, that I would consider. I was actually, I, I literally watched a video on that watch that you were wearing last night. Oh, really? That's yeah. wow, a small world. Yeah, totally. Which is why I caught, a, probably, probably why I caught my eye, I think. Yeah, yeah. Was it a, a, a positive review or a negative? Yeah, it was very positive. Oh, good. Nice. By this person, You're Terrific on YouTube. Oh, I think I've seen their stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. But yeah, it's like it's a classic watch video, like lots of macro photography, zooming yes. slowly across the watch. Uh-huh. Right, right, right. Looking at all the all the, all the bells and whistles underneath and 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 really totally. going into way, way, way more detail than anybody needs. Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So it's I, I still I think I, it'll take a while for the silliness uh, factor to wear off for me. But I, I am kind of enjoying it as a as a thing that I'm interested in at the moment. Yeah, good. It'll be fun. I think it, 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 it does take some time to shake off the silliness. I think it you know, I still I still work on shaking off the silliness because I think, you know, like I, even like I did when you pointed it out, I mean, one of the first things I say is, oh, yeah, yeah, it was a gift for my wife, right, you know, yeah. but, it, you know, I love it. Like, I, you know, it's, it's not, I, I, I shouldn't have to justify it that way, but I still, I still do. So maybe the silliness never. Yeah, that's hard. Yeah. All right. Well, well, after the podcast, we'll talk even more crazy watch stuff. Yes, absolutely. Without embarrassment <laughs> and public judgment. Yes. Awesome. This is super helpful. I'm really glad I invited you on. This is, this is great. Likewise, I'm really, really glad that, uh, that we had this conversation and, and I can't wait to see what it bears. Yeah, me too. Is there anything you want to point people to while you've got the megaphone? I mean, certainly if you're selling digital products, check out Podia. Or if you're a creator looking to monetize and you're not selling digital products yet, but you want to, uh, check out Podia.com. It's a platform for selling courses, downloads, memberships, all that good stuff. But otherwise, if you are a technical marketer, I'd like to point you to, uh, to Ben's job posting whenever that's up. <laughs> Thanks. Yeah, pretty soon. Tuple.app slash jobs coming at you soon. That's the one. Sponsored. (laughs) Exactly. All right, Len. Thanks for coming by. I really appreciate it. Likewise. Thanks, Ben.